Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Thank you, Susan. I just want to say thank wait, wait. you so much. <laughs> My name isn't Susan. Why are you calling me Susan? I just, questions, I th- that question was so good, and I just want to thank you. I really appreciate your asking it. Questions, questions are so important. <laughs> they keep I, I, us suspended in a I, state of inquiry. <laughs> I barely asked you a question. I said, how was your week? That's a pretty basic question. <laughs> and you- I'm thanking you for it. <laughs> Okay, well, Susan. put it in your gratitude journal then. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that. This is Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is No. My sign is No. My number is No. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, this was actually a big week for Nope. We um, have been raking in the celebrity endorsements. Um, I mean... Like, wait until we <laughs> describe what a celebrity endorsement well, actually is. We have, to, we have to put an asterisk next to celebrity and endorsement both. <laughs> yes, both. they are. They're celebrity adjacent and endorsement adjacent. So, <laughs> um, so first, we had our finest living constitutional scholar, Larry Tribe, who reacted to uh, the Peace and Vanity Fair that you just wrote about. Yeah, he gave Darren. me a good quote. Yes. What did he say? I quoted him in it. You obviously have not read it yet. No, I have not. I've been very busy. I thought he was just randomly checking out Twitter. He wasn't like, no, randomly emailing me. No, we were corresponding because I got a quote from him. Oh, I see. He liked the story, which is Okay, well, that's good. And then, uh, so he's our finest- That has nothing to do with our podcast. (laughs) Well, us as media personalities. Yes, yes. That was, it was very nice. Right. So our finest living constitutional scholar, we also (laughs) were um, admired, had received an endorsement from our finest living- Jimmy Carter. (laughs) From our finest living ex-president and oldest living ex-president. And when I say from Jimmy Carter, what I mean is from his library- and they like to tweet. <laughs> they like to tweet that I wrote. No, you wrote, actually. It's in hardly response. an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> it's very thirsty for endorsements. Um, no, because okay. last week I wrote that letter to President Carter when I was 10, and you tweeted that, like, please, Jimmy Carter, respond to Brian Hecht. He's been waiting 40 years for your I reply. know. I was thinking, like, he's 96 now. <laughs> he, he received the letter when he was 56. And he probably, I'm thinking he wrote a response back then, and he was like, nah, I'm not going to mail it out. I'm just going to, like, sit on this anger. And, he's like, going to be let clutch, it... <laughs> clutching it on his deathbed, God forbid. Right? I know. I'm, and, no, like, I think... What's, his, what's your dying wish? Mail this to Brian Hecht. He's gonna call you. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Okay. So Larry Tribe, Jimmy Carter, and then we received yet another like tweet from uh from the ghost of Laura Branigan. <laughs> from the grave. From, from beyond the grave. Also, not from her library, but from her estate. This yes. is the singer of Gloria who we've talked about endlessly, who we worship. <laughs> And um, I don't know what we said. We said something, and she uh, <laughs> liked us or retweeted us or something. So that's the, quite a treat. <laughs> the ultimate trifecta. It's like when you're starting a podcast, this is who you want to like. <laughs> endure, like. Like, let's make a list of our dream celebrity influencers who should cover us, who should be guests. <laughs> a constitutional <laughs> scholar, an ex-president. And a, and a dead singer. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, this wasn't even a note, but shut it down. Let's get to the okay, real notes. Let's okay. get to the, okay. Oh, we don't even have any personal stories, which we normally start with. So let's just force fast yeah. forward. Nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened this week. It was a news-free week. Um, so let's go right on to the... to the news. Yeah, let's just go back to the White House apocalypse. Rachel, why don't you start us out on this? <laughs> yeah, so basically the White House, as we all know, is like in full-on hot zone territory it's a like disease, it is disease vector yes and i mean while this is shocking it's also completely not surprising at all given that none of them wear masks and they don't socially distance and they they think that they're somehow um immune to this virus so okay so um, Trump has it. Melania has it. We, we know all these people have it. And then Mitch McConnell said today that he hasn't even been to the White House since August 6th because, quote, their approach to how to handle this virus is different than mine. Did oh, you I didn't see hear that? that. No, yes. no. Yes. But he won't say it's wrong. He'll just say there's it's good. There's good, pe- there's, good pe- there's good people on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> right. And today, Trump's doctor is saying he can return to public engagements on Saturday, the day after tomorrow, which is like insane he's contagious he's totally contagious it's eight days from the day he announced he's infected and you're supposed to quarantine for 14 days after the first day you get a negative test there needs to be you can't just have your private lackey physician do this stuff there should be like a publicly public employee civil servant doctor who's appointed by congress who's like the watchdog of the president's health like an independent human who's like verified to actually be a doctor Yes. And it needs to be public information. It's relevant. It's like the fact that he's keeping this secret that we don't even know when the last time he had a negative test was is it's an outrage. It's ridiculous. And we keep asking, like journalists keep asking the question. So they know, like this information is knowable. (laughs) They just don't want to tell them, you know? So anyway, so against this backdrop, backdrop, we have the vice presidential debate, Uh, Mike Pence versus Kamala Harris. And Mike Pence, who was exposed multiple times to this virus, he nevertheless persisted and the show went on and, uh, before the debate even started, it was on like Donkey Kong. They were out there with their Tupac <laughs> insults. Wait, and- no, no, no. I got to talk about that for a second. So I have a theory about this. So they had to do something to distract from the whole plexiglass COVID game. I mean, they want to do everything except talk about COVID on that stage, right? So they had to do figure out something to do. Now, you remember the stunt Four years ago, when Trump bought, brought out like Bill Clinton's women to oh try God, to unnerve so Hillary cruel. Clinton, I was there that night with you. We watched it together, right? Yes. So G- the GOP decided they wanted to do the same thing. So they decided that they would invite Tupac Shakur to come to the debate. Now, this, of course, was a troll because some while back, Kamala said that Tupac is the best rapper alive. They asked her who's the best rapper alive at some NAACP virtual convention, and she obviously misheard or had like a lapse of the brain. She knows Tupac is dead, but she said Tupac. So then, But Jason, then she corrected herself. Yes, like, yes. It's and not if, like she like didn't know. She was just like, oh, well, like she was probably just saying that's my favorite 
rapper. Rapper, you know? period, right. And then Jason Miller, that arbiter of hip-hop cool, says, I don't know if he shows up. I'm personally more of a Biggie fan. If he's still alive, we would have a ticket waiting for Mr. Shakur. Like, he doesn't know the difference. No, that and also, the, the real reason they're talking about Tupac is no celebrity would set foot in that actual debate hall because it's shrouded in a cloud of death. Right. Like, <laughs> Correct. Like, like in the best case, they could have gotten a hologram, like a hologram of Tupac, Tupac. Yes. Or, and that like maybe think like they could also have other cool holograms. They could have like Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Jim Morrison. Michael, Jim Morrison, Michael Jackson. But then I realized Kamala should have invited Jerry Falwell Jr. with his pants on <laughs> yes. thing and slouched in the, in the front row. Like, and the woman, the woman pants on button. Right. So if we're going into like troll guests, you could do a lot better than like a hologram of Tupac. Anyway. Like this is their big dig at Kamala. <laughs> That's the best they can do. Then she's like. I mean, pretty amazing. She's pretty um, immune. Okay. So um, so the debate actually happened last night. Yes. And um, it was definitely a win for Kamala. I think, you know, there, nothing like insane was said. Yeah, it but wasn't like a threaded you're no, the needle. There was no you're, you're no Jack Kennedy moment. Although I think the public is turned off by those nowadays. They sound too rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think she did a good job dealing with his constant interruptions, which brings me to the moderator, whose name is Susan Page. She's the Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today, and she's the first print journalist to moderate a presidential debate or vice presidential debate since like the 1970s, I think I read. I could be wrong. Yeah, but, makes sense. You yeah. know, it's not a news podcast. Fact check me if you want. Um, so, <laughs> she also has a little known, very interesting background as an oboist. She <laughs> <laughs> studied the oboe. Did she have an oboe <laughs> under the desk there? She should have played it to, to shut them up. That, <laughs> like, I know. I would have loved some like, smooth instead jazz. Of just, instead of just saying, thank you, Mr. Vice President. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Thank you, Mr. Vice just, President. She could have just summoned her oboe and started tooting away. <laughs> I would have loved that. I think I, that's what I was hoping for when I read about her background. That's what I was these, like, oh, that's what the, see the the rules for the Commission on Presidential Debates did not did not contemplate woodwind instruments. They they maybe spread the virus. <laughs> bring a bassoon, bring a clarinet, bring an oboe. Just not an oboe. Anything but the oboe. <laughs> But, um, so she was saying, thank you, Mr. Vice President, as he kept talking over Kamala. And then he kept saying, thank you, Susan. It was like a thanking fest. <laughs> and Kamala had to just like deal with this. And she did fend for herself. And I think that the only moment that like came close to like the memorable moment of the debate, besides what we will soon talk about, <laughs> which you could probably guess, I think it was when um, Kamala told um, Pence, I am speaking. And we, we have a clip of that here. Well, the Trump tax cuts. Uh, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, <laughs> I'm speaking. That was awesome. And you know what? I There were a few other moments I liked. I liked when she's like, don't you dare lecture me. I will not sit here and be lectured about prosecutions by you, by yeah. you <laughs> about prosecutions. I was the like biggest DA in the world. Um, and also when she lectured, she's like, OK, you want to give me a history lesson? Here's a history lesson. Abe Lincoln 
that was that was fabulous. Yeah, she had some like really good moments. Oh, and so. also you've you've confirmed a hundred and fifty. You're so proud you confirmed hundred and fifty six judges to the, the to the federal bench, and not one of them is black. That was awesome too. That was great too. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're rattling off the. Greatest I'm on it. She, I'm on she, it. <laughs> I know. I'm like, ah, she had one moment, but no, she had like a lot of moments. <laughs> yeah. She was good. <laughs> she was a badass. She was very very good. Yeah. So. But the only important Pence? thing from this debate. <laughs> Let's talk about Pence, okay? <laughs> he looked ill. I, I don't know. Yeah, he had, did, he had what, conjunctivitis. He had like uh, a pink eye, maybe, which is a symptom of COVID. I don't wish he has it, but uh, probably does, is my guess. Probably does. And uh, that's probably like after he used Visine, because obviously, like, they pumped him up with all the drugs or the you know, steroids, makeup, and steroids. If that was him with like roid rage, like he's like such oh a like limp fish. Like, uh, he is such a, he's such a like humorless, like fart, you know, he's just like a, He's like a devoid of any personality. He's just so pious all the time. So pious. And yeah. He's, ugh. so, okay. So the, the overall debate, uh, I think, was overshadowed by this two-minute interlude um, that was orchestrated by a, an intruder. Um, <laughs> two minutes <laughs> and three seconds. Intruder. <laughs> two minutes and three seconds, to be precise. <laughs> so I'm I'm watching the debate, and I see like Pence has this like white like helmet of like you know matted hair and i'm like what is on his head what is that black dot and then i thought maybe it was like a wig microphone like on broadway (laughs) (laughs) that would have been funnier than a fly a wig microphone (laughs) they were worried about biden wearing an earpiece when in fact mike pence has a wig microphone and then I was like, no, that's just for like musicals. <laughs> well, until Susan Page breaks out the oboe. <laughs> I'm just like, what is that? And then it started moving. And Josh was like, I think it's a fly. I think it's a fly. Then I looked online. And in fact, people were talking about this fly. Um, and uh, it was really something. I, I don't know if like. Today, my dad was like, I think he's dead. <laughs> I think like the fly was smelling his corpse. Or he's, And my, my mother's like, he's not dead. What are you talking about? How how would that be? And he's like, well, you just only need like a few dead cells. Maybe he's, dead he's inside. just like, ill he's and the fly inside. could sense it. Oh, yeah. you know and how like dogs, like, can, dogs can smell cancer. Maybe the fly could smell COVID or pink eye. The fly could smell COVID. I know, I know. Maybe it was like a like a vulture or something, you know, like vulture like fly smelling carrion. <laughs> Flies are vultures. They do smell carrion, but okay, they do. Okay, <laughs> flies are not vultures. No, not, not literally. They're scavengers. Just, yeah, they're scavengers. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Carnivores. Different winged animals. <laughs> Very different. Um, anyway. they're, like, they're like hyenas. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so then the fly flies away. And um, of course, there is just so many memes about the fly. There's like a, a whole Twitter account, Pence's Fly, Mike Pence Fly. Did you see that? No. No, 
Oh, I did. I thought it was about his, like, maybe his zipper was down, like Jerry Falwell Jr. No, but someone created a Mike Pence oh, fly okay. account. Yeah. It has, like, over 100,000 followers. And then they posted this video from someone who I think is, like, a comedian named Jordan Firstman. Um, I want to give credit where credit is due because I think it's so brilliant. He basically imagines a one-sided phone conversation with the flies publicist. Um, and here it is. How did you think of the idea? Just I wasn't I wasn't aware you were doing that. Oh, you did it with your agents? Okay, I just need to be kept in the loop with these things. It's important. But that's besides the point. I think the first thing we need to do is kind of get it into the narrative that you are female. No one is talking about the fact that you are a strong female fly boss girl in charge and people need to know. And then I think it's acting. No, people are saying you're the next Jennifer Lawrence. No, they are. There's Oscar buzz. Buzz. But Nadine, write that down. Oscar buzz. Okay, even flies need handlers. They need publicists. Yes, we, the fly had a moment. It was, you know, a, a fly boss. And so, I don't know. I think what all of this tells us is when, like, your discussion is overshadowed by a fly, we know that debates have outlived their usefulness. Or our society has, like, eroded to the point where this is no longer necessary. Or our society has outlived its usefulness. We should just descend into anarchy, like downtown Portland. Yes, we're we're too depraved to debate. We need like monologues, like dueling monologues. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> okay, I'll the, bring that the up. Candidates the... go in separate rooms. <laughs> like love is blind. <laughs> I'll bring that up with the commission. Okay, so okay. Um, you might. So they say that when there's a debate or anyone talking on TV, Pence is uh, really talking to an audience of one, which is his beloved president since he's in a cult and you might wonder what did trump actually think of the debate um oh, so yes. this morning he did an hour-long recap interview with maria Mart bartiromo and he told her he's when asked about the debate he told her that a he thinks she's a perfect physical specimen um, he thinks he's a perfect physical specimen oh yeah he's a person and extremely young Yes, he's 74, <laughs> obese, and has COVID and was hospitalized in the last week. So The perfect I, husband, the perfect lover, the perfect role model, everything. Think of he, doesn't think he's, he doesn't think he's contagious at all, and he thinks he got the virus. I'd never heard this before from the Gold Star families that he met who insisted on hugging and kissing him. How dare they? Well, actually, how dare, no, they? dare like, they? What makes it like? What are they thinking? Um, and then he finally got to his verdict on the debate and on Kamala Harris, and I will play that for you now. And this monster that was on stage with uh, Mike Pence, who destroyed her last night, by the way. But this monster, uh, she says, "No, no, there won't be fracking. There won't be this. There won't." Everything she said is a lie. In fact, they well, go she back wants to and they agree the to the manifesto. So, like. What what strikes me, other than like communist monster, like what do they have with the communists? They're trying to like bring the, the communists are having a comeback. It's always the Chinese communist party. Like, who is he? Radical left communists. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's he's, like Roy, Roy Cohn was his role. Roy Cohn. So he's maybe, Roy Cohn. He's Roy Cohn. So he's the monster. Like this is uh, this is ridiculous. So um, I guess I expected no less. But every time you think he can't get any worse, he does an interview like that, and uh, and he does. And it, and it gets worse. I know. I know these videos he keeps putting out are um, they're just it's like stream of consciousness word salad. Like I was wondering, like, who is writing this material for him? And the answer <laughs> is, is he, he is Miller. because Stephen Miller is uh, 
hospitalized with the virus or <laughs> hiding somewhere with the virus. So he's out for the count. You know what? So, you know what this all makes me think. It makes me wonder, like, who I should really vote for now. I know. I'm undecided. I, I'm more undecided, you're undecided than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like wondering, like, what at this point could make me undecided? I don't. There's like literally nothing you could tell me about Joe Biden at this point that would make me think he's worse than Trump. Well, t- we like, talked about this last night. CNN had a panel of like eight undecided, undecided voters. And no, it was ten. eight. Because, oh, 10. All right. Yeah. They they did a poll at the end. OK, well, are you going to talk about this or because I could talk? Yeah, about yeah. It. I'm going to talk about this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get going on yeah. the topic. Sorry. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> so, just... <laughs> so I'm just like, who are these undecided voters? Who are these people? What have they been doing? And I just... Like, unless they've been locked in a panic room or like in a coma, I don't understand how you can be undecided. Like, we're like 25 days away from the election. What are they waiting for? Like, what what could change their minds? Do they like, I don't, they're waiting, I don't know. They're waiting for the Mueller report to come out. <laughs> October <laughs> unemployment? No, like, how much more of an October <laughs> surprise can you have? Than the like, president being hospitalized, <laughs> receiving oxygen, half the White House being in ICU. <laughs> like, what more what do, do you, you want, want to happen? Just, you know, the I, real problem with 2020 is that not enough has happened to inform <laughs> our decisions here. Right. We just need more information. Like, so, I don't know. So, there, there's this... quote from David Sedaris. He says, think of being on an airplane. The flight attendant comes down the aisle with her food cart and eventually parks it beside my seat. Can I interest you in the chicken, she asks, or would you prefer the platter of shit with bits of broken glass in it? And then he says, to be undecided in this election is to pause for a moment and then ask how the chicken is cooked. (laughs) So he wrote that in 2008. And I you know, I, I think it's truer than ever now, because who the fuck are these people? Like, I, I mean, remember Ken Bone? Do you remember that oh, guy? Oh, yeah, with he the red the, sweater. Yeah, I was there for the, that. That was the same debate with the with the Bill Clinton women. OK, it was, right. It was the, so ta- it was the town Bone, hall, the town hall debate. The town hall. And he asked a question about energy policy. <laughs> he had like a little thin mustache and glasses and everyone like fell in love with Ken Bone. He caused a sensation. And now he has like. I remember like I was working at Twitter at the time and like we got him like a verified account. And now like he's back in the scene because like people want to know, is he still undecided? <laughs> and guess what? Wait, still undecided from 2016? <laughs> he's still undecided. <laughs> it's, his defining, he, it's, his, it's his brand. He can't go off brand. He can't make a decision. So he like gave an interview with Newsweek. And he said that watching the debates is like watching your house burn down, which I agree with that. Yes. I, yes. And but the, uh, it's like he's undecided between the fire and the water. Like I know. I know. On, tw- <laughs> on Twitter yesterday, he said, all morning, the Trump supporters have been nice to me, even though I don't like Trump. The Biden camp has been shitting all over me because I don't like Biden. Do these people really not see how much this behavior pushes bystanders toward <laughs> wait, the right? So, wait, so he's going to judge <laughs> the future of this nation based on who's being nice to him? That on has, Twitter. That's like, that's Trump, right? He judges everything by who's nice he's to like him. He's like, Ken Bone is like Trump, yes. Um, 
So I don't know. So then CNN, as you were saying, had this spin room with 10 more of these idiots in Arizona and they were monitoring the debate in real time. And they had like, you know, they have that like spinny wheel where they turn it up if like they're reacting and like it's all very unscientific. But so ultimately four of them said that Pence, they asked them at the end who won and four of them said Pence won and four of them said that Harris won and then the remaining <laughs> two said nobody won. So they so were still wondering. undecided. They were undecided what? on the undecided. They couldn't even watch it. Like game. in aggregate, they were still useless. You know, <laughs> I thought at least it would be six, four, but no, it was, four, but no, two. Four four two, yes. So like and and then like the big and two, moment two for Jill Stein. Right. <laughs> for Ralph Nader. <laughs> the big moment was like when they reacted strongly to Kamala Harris saying that the Trump administration had failed in managing the coronavirus pandemic. But then like after they were asked why they reacted so strongly to that and they didn't know. They just like they like were like so. There's no information to be gleaned from them. They are undecided individually together. They're these people are in a coma. Like we need to just stop paying attention to these ten people. Except they're in really high demand because everyone needs to like interview undecided voters. So like they they should get the publicists. Like if there's a cottage industry of like you can go on the speaker circuit as like an undecided voter. And then it's probably an app like for people who like, and like, do you Cal- really think Calendly. they're undecided? It's like, Cal- how could they Calendly? Right. You just like put in your like a media outlet and you just like go into their Calendly, which is like such an annoying name for an app and just like put in the time <laughs> you want to They should be able to them. do cameos just to like, hi, I'm Brian Hector. I don't know who I'm voting for. <laughs> I'm undecided. I like Trump's policies, but I don't like the way he behaves. But Joe Biden's son is really problematic. Blah, blah, blah. I okay. need more information about Hunter. Okay. So nope anyway, to nope undecided. to all the undecided. Fuck just you. Make up your mind. I don't even make want Make up your, your mind. I don't even think they exist. I think they're just like trying to get attention and like claiming to be undecided. I just cannot possibly believe that anybody could not okay. know. Nope. Nope. Anyway. Nope. Let's shut that down. Let's move on. Let's okay. Let's move on. Okay. I have a couple of fun ones here, if if I may. So um, outdoor dining in New York City. You've only been here one or two nights, but it has been delightful. I've been having the time of my life sitting outside at these lovely, you know, table street side cafes. Um, But of course, naturally, the restaurant industry and I as a consumer of restaurants, am scared about what happens when it gets cold. And they're trying to anticipate that they're putting up tents and there's heat lamps and fire pits and so forth. So it's Huga. So not a moment too soon from the Department of Innovation comes the comfort comfort table, which is basically a table sweater. And now I shall provide the (laughs) description courtesy of Newsweek. (laughs) It is a blanket that can be draped over four people seated at a square table. Each person slips their head through a head hole and their hands through sewn in sleeves. (laughs) <laughs> and the fabric extends down to the ground, affixed to the underside of the table is a small heater. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> this is the ultimate fire hazard. So the table is draped in a highly flammable fabric affixed to a combustible the heater. heat source. <laughs> Okay. This is going to be like the last that theater scene in Inglorious Bastards where like the curtain. And I'm just trying I'm trying to visualize this. So the food is placed on the top middle. of the 
I don't know where your hands come out, though. Like, do your hands come out of the sleeves? And the, on the sides, they're or just do like you have a... do you get to keep them under the blanket and hold hands with your person? That seems very un right. That's the other thing. So how unhygienic you can get this? This doesn't force you to sit close to people. It's bad enough. You're like knit together with a garment. <laughs> we don't need In a that. garment of destiny. <laughs> And then, like, if there is a fire or something, there's, like, a co- some sort of coordinated disentanglement, right? And then, like... So you all stand up at once. The food goes flying <laughs> right. to the floor. And then whoever is the fastest runner just gets into the Well, no, the and- fastest disentangler, because you're all t- tangled up in the, your hands and your, your, your head. It's not just your hands in the thing where you could pull out, like, the mittens. Like, your head, it's like a cloak. Your, your head is in it. This is such a um, so disaster waiting to, to happen. Like, you need to move as a unit, basically. <laughs> this thing is so dangerous. Like this needs like stage three crit clinical trials before it's released. Like oh my god, it's, it's a case no. where the, the side effects are worse than the cure, right? Like yeah, so is, like you're a little bit warmer with the sweater. It's fucking no, cold in New gonna York. The, the, it's the, not going to help. They're going to have the table sweater death count up on CNN <laughs> right next to the COVID <laughs> death count. <laughs> it's going to be a hot spot. Tribeca oh, is a hot spot. Okay, well, here's my punchline. Luckily, it does not exist. It's a, not a prank, but plans are in the works. It was an entry into the Chicago Winter Design Challenge, which received 643 submissions. Um, and it is better than some of the other submissions. It might, in fact, be the best. And um, probably the worst, and I don't think these are jokes, was to affix small radiators to large rats and let them roam around. So that's, <laughs> what? that's an idea. That was the solution? <laughs> That sounds like a problem. (laughs) Once again, it raises more problems than it answers, than it solves. Um, But God knows, especially in New York, there are plenty of rats. Why not deploy them for some useful purpose? And if no. then if there's a fire, at least the rat burns up, not you and your table. <laughs> but okay. what if it runs into you? With a, with a heating <laughs> it's like a, it's like a suicide rat, <laughs> a kamikaze mission. Yes. <laughs> I yeah, put you got to pass be, them. You got to be careful not to let any table table scraps go to the ground because they're they'll be right so on it. The they'll flame. burn you. Right. Okay, so I think here's my thing. I think I am all for creative solutions to the outdoor dining crisis. That is. Winter is coming. That is nearly upon us. But I do not think they should involve entangling yourself with flammable <laughs> materials or or rodents with flammable flaming rats. Like no, just let this. But down. what if what if they did like a Ken Bone sweater, like a Ken <laughs> Bone <red> table? <laughs> Like That's even more dangerous because it's already red and you won't know if it's on fire. It'll just blend in. <laughs> okay. But it could be for undecided voters to sit together. <laughs> yes. and- I'd like to put all the undecided voters, buy them a free dinner with a table sweat, complimentary table sweater. And then, and let them then talk unleash, it out. And unleash the rats. Unleash the rats. Nope. 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 These are not, nope. not the answers we're looking for. Okay. okay. This also kind of comes to us from the Department of Innovation. Um, here's a segue for you. In these terrible times, one of the only outlets that we are free to enjoy is sex with your loved one, with a stranger. doesn't matter. It's fun. Um, but we cannot have nice things. So just when you thought nothing else could be hacked... Get ready for the hottest sensation now, <laughs> dick hacking. Um, dick hacking? 
<laughs> is that Dick the theme hacking? song? Is that the theme song of from Dick Hacking? <laughs> okay, this this product comes to us from a company, a Chinese company called Company Pen Test Partners. A uh, very innocent sounding name, pen test, like you're testing a ballpoint pen. And uh, the product is called Qui, I guess it's Chinese, Q-I-U-I, Cellmate, Internet Connected Chastity Lock, which Kiwi? according- It's probably pronounced Kiwi. I don't know. Just, okay, uh, Internet Connected <laughs> Chastity Lock. <laughs> don't bust my chops over Chinese pronunciation. No, I'm just thinking of it in my head. I'm just sharing my okay. my insights. <laughs> hey, thank you, our world's finest East Asian linguist. <laughs> okay, so the Kiwi cellmate, by their own press materials, says it allows anyone to remotely and permanently lock in the user's penis. And but like, what? Like, what is this <laughs> thing? I mean, okay. To me, the operative word here is permanently. I mean, kind of like permanently all time? Like permanently till you die? Like you die with a chastity lock on you? And like, can you perform other functions? Like, can you still? Like, right? That's pee? a good point, right? It's not like one of the, I saw a picture. It's not like one of those cages or something. It's like a full on, like, like lock. lock like security <laughs> it's like in prison um and here's how it works so your partner or des- designated person um communicates by bluetooth to an app that then communicates with the device through an api but the problem is that the manufacturers left the api open without a password so it can be hacked what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> okay. So here's what else can go wrong. There's no emergency override function. So if you're locked in, <laughs> you're locked in. You're locked. <laughs> There's no way out. Wait, and because there's a, a metal ring under your penis, the only way to get out, they say, is a heavy-duty bolt cutter. <laughs> or something Fetch they, the bolt cutters. <laughs> Mabel, I think we need the bolt cutter. It's in the garage behind the hacksaw. Or something called an angle grinder, which I don't want anywhere near my penis. An angle grinder. It's a new twist on grinder. <laughs> right. It's it's the grinder app for chastity box. <laughs> the angle grinder. Yeah, it unlocks your chastity lock. Okay. But here, here was the other problem. So not only does it run the risk of someone locking you in. <laughs> With no ability to override, short of brute force, it also allows you to access the user's private messages. <laughs> I don't know if the messages are in the lock. If it has like a, it's like a so smart. It's a watch. messaging app and <laughs> and a chastity. Well, you have to be able to talk to the person who's wearing the lock. But why do you have to talk to them on the app? <laughs> Using your phone or no, but here's the worst. The worst is it identifies the precise location of the chastity belt, so the chastity lock. So if you've hacked it, it's not that there's this anonymous chastity lock out there somewhere. You know where the person is, and you can like confront them or blackmail them or something. Like, give me a million dollars, I'll never unlock your chastity. I'll never unlock your dick. That is like really sick. Who is this? Is this for the like the BDSM community or is it for like like uh, uh, popes and like <laughs> bishops? <laughs> like, like, Boy Scout troop leaders? I don't know. 
<laughs> Wait, the Pope. Oh, the Pope has the only. <laughs> the only. The Pope has like God control. Mode. Like... God mode. He can message the priests. He could put it on vibrate mode. He could lock, lock and unlock, unlock as needed. <laughs> now, this company was, became aware of this of this security violation, and it was supposed to be an, uh, fixed in August. There was supposed to be some patch to the firmware, I guess. And it wasn't fixed. August came and went, and there was no fix. And the spokesman said, we are a basement team. When we fix it, it creates more problems. So they're trying to fix it, and it's getting worse. It's like Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Every time they try to, they do an update, it just keeps getting worse. Keeps getting yes. worse. And this is a plague. This is not just the uh, the chastity uh, lock. There's also a product that got hacked a little while ago called the Panty Buster, which is a vibrator. There's um, a famous like vibrating butt plug, which was uh, introduced the concept of ass hacking. So we have what? dick hacking. I feel ass like hack- we've talked about ass hacking. On yeah, the I think we've. That's right in our. It's right in our lane. <laughs> it's our yes. bailiwick. It's in our wheelhouse. <laughs> if if there's an ass being hacked out there, nope is we on. We want to know about. <laughs> Send us your tips. <laughs> Anonymous tip. If you have any kind of device in or around your genitalia and it has been hacked, please send an anonymous tip to thisweekinnope at gmail.com or tweet us at Brian Hecht and Rachel. We'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you what to do. Okay, so nope, nope. If you're going to use a chastity belt lock, whatever, stick to the old lock and key. Stick to the old manual key. Put it down your bra or something and... For safekeeping, it's just be safe. Just everybody be out there, safe. be safe. Not everything has world. to be connected to the internet. Not no. everything has to be smart. Okay? Especially not your dick. Dicks are stupid. Yeah. No, yeah so should really. their devices. Okay, shut it down. Nope. Okay. No, no. <laughs> okay, we did political. We did dining. We did fiery rats. We did sexual. Now it's time for our yup seeds. A little raise the light, a little beacons of hope that got us through the week. Rachel, you had one you wanted to do. Yeah, so um, we have a new competitor in the podcast world, um, Hillary Clinton, who I wish that Donald Trump was the podcaster and Hillary Clinton was the president, but this is kind of a cool thing. Even if she wins the popular vote, she gets more streams than us, then uh, we could still win the electoral college and (laughs) be the reigning podcasters. So, um, yeah, she just had a she just launched a podcast. She has like a few episodes out. Um, I can't even remember what the podcast is called, but it's something with Memorable. Hillary Clinton. And she <laughs> she had an episode with Kamala Harris recently, and it was like thirty minutes, perfect length, a delight. So, um, you know, Hillary, we welcome you on Nope. We will cross prom- promote your podcast, and we urge our listeners to uh, take a listen to Hillary's podcast, not instead of, but in addition to. Yes, very important. Okay, my yup goes to General Michael Hayden, who is the former head of the CIA and the NSA and had a distinguished 40-year career in the military. Um, He had a stroke, so he has aphasia, he has very halting speech, and he made a very brave television ad in which he endorsed Joe Biden, and he talked about foreign policy and our allies. And I think there's not an, I mean, there's so much going on. It's very you know, hard to focus on something like that, which in other years might have been the primary topic. Um, But, you know, it still does kind of matter um, to everything, including COVID. So I'm just going to read a quote because it's so beautiful. 
<clears throat> he goes, alliances are wonderful. Alliances are win-win. And now I don't know what's happening to our alliances. I mean it. If Trump gets another term, I think many alliances will be gone and America will be alone. And that's a real, real problem. But that's not important. Uh, he said he disagrees with some of Biden's policies, but that's not important, he says. What's important is the United States. And I'm supporting Joe Biden. Biden is a good man. Donald Trump is not. That was really powerful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't even want to sully our uh, podcast by saying anything else. Okay. So let's not say anything else. That's, <laughs> That's all that for, needs to be said. Except for our regular outro. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. That's the best way to spread the word. Um <clears throat> Uh, I think that's it, Rachel, right? Anything yeah, else? Yeah, that's it. Tweet yeah. at us, you know, yeah, give at us Rachel suggestions. Rachel Hicks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Terrible, terrible week. Fun podcast to record. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can talk about nothing. Shoot the shit. We got shit to